Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she left and ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, she told them, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Bending over, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was following him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there. The cloth that had been on Jesus' head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. Then the other disciple, who arrived at the tomb first, also entered. He saw and believed. They still did not yet understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. But Mary stood outside, facing the tomb, weeping. As she wept, she bent over, looking into the tomb. She saw two angels in white clothes, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and one at the feet. They asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? She told them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. After she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, you carried him off. Tell me where you laid him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and replied in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus told her, Do not continue to cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father. My God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. See, she also told them the things he said to her. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Right smack in the middle of St. John's account of the events of Easter morning, there is a sentence in parentheses. In the language that St. John originally wrote his gospel, there is no such thing as parentheses. So the decision to put verse 9 in parentheses is the translators. And most translators do put that sentence in parentheses. I compared 25 different English translations of John chapter 20, which these days takes about 75 seconds total. You just keep clicking down the list. More than half of them put verse 9 in parentheses. But I don't think that verse 9 of John chapter 20 is parenthetical at all. In fact, I think that verse is the key to understanding all the rest of the pretty sad things that go on in the first 15 verses of John chapter 20. First, you have Mary Magdalene, a follower of Jesus, finding his tomb empty in the dark. And she runs to Peter and John, Jesus' two closest dearest disciples, and she shares with them her interpretation of Jesus' empty grave. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, she told them, and we don't know where they put him. Okay, so that's St. Peter and John. They start running too. The younger, faster John, he gets to the tomb first, but he doesn't go all the way in. Older, slower Peter gets there second. 
He goes straight into the tomb. That fits their personalities perfectly, by the way. Once they are in the tomb, Peter and John see that Mary is right about the contents of the tomb, but they realize that Mary is wrong about the reason. Writing about himself, John says, he saw and believed. So now Peter and John have finally put together what actually happened on Easter morning. Now, inexplicably, they leave the scene without telling this to Mary Magdalene. I'm going to put the best construction on it and say it was dark and they didn't see her standing there. So Mary still does not understand what has happened to Jesus' body on Easter, and she is going to find out, not from an angel, as a lot of other people did on Easter morning, but she is going to find out directly from Jesus himself. But not right away, because first she mistakes him for the gardener. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you carried him off, tell me where you have laid him, and I will get him. Brilliant, Mary. No one, when bodies go missing, no one ever suspects the gardener. Who knows how many times they've gotten away with it. Good thinking. But seriously, what explains all the running and the weeping and the confusion on the very first Easter morning? It is that parenthetical statement that is not so parenthetical after all. They still did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. The Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would rise from the dead. The Messiah himself predicted his resurrection many times. And in Romans chapter 4, Paul says, Jesus rose on Easter because of our justification. Because what Jesus did on Good Friday worked. It justified us. It made us holy in the eyes of God. The Father certified it by raising Jesus Christ from the dead on Easter morning. For all those reasons, Jesus' resurrection was a must. But they still did not understand. And that is the reason for the confusion and the weeping and the insinuations of body snatching. You know, when you get around graves, there is still a lot of fear and confusion and weeping and accusations when people do not understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead on Easter and that he did rise from the dead. When people do not understand, when they do not believe Easter, death is pure fear. It is the scariest thing that there is in the whole world. And without Easter, death is very confusing. Why should we have to die? Why can't life in this world just go on? And when we do die, what happens to us? Is there anything after this? It's a lot of confusion. And without the truth of Easter, there's weeping around tombs, but it's the worst kind of weeping. It's the kind of mourning that only a permanent goodbye could trigger. And there's even accusations, not against gardeners, but against God. How dare you take away from me? this person I love? How dare you take people out of this world when they're still young and healthy? If you're out there, you must be one cruel and cold being. Now Peter and John, they saw it and they believed on Easter morning. They understood that Jesus had to rise from the dead and that he did. Next Sunday, we're going to hear a gospel that picks up immediately after this one ends. And we are going to see very clearly 
that the faith of Peter and John and the other nine disciples on that first Easter was far from perfect. We Christians also understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead on Easter morning, and we understand and believe that he did. But just like the disciples on the first Easter, our faith is not perfect either. It wavers and it bends and it doubts. And when our faith doubts Jesus' resurrection, even we Christians feel afraid of death. And it still confuses us when we lose sight of Easter. And sometimes even Christians are guilty of not just mourning, but mourning like people who have no hope that there is anything after this life. And even Jesus' people, you'll hear them say things when someone dies that comes very close to accusing God of bad timing or of making a mistake calling that person to heaven when he did. Mary Magdalene still had not put it together until the alleged gardener spoke just one word to her. And if there is any single word in the Bible that I would love to hear the audio of, this is it. Jesus said to her, Mary. When Jesus says just that one word, just her name, everything comes clear for Mary and she does exactly what we would expect her to do. She hugs Jesus and apparently she holds on for a really long time because finally Jesus has to tell her, do not continue to cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus has accomplished what needed to be accomplished on Good Friday, and now he has done what had to be done on Easter morning, but Jesus' work is not yet complete. Mary has to let go of him because Jesus is going to return to the side of his heavenly father, and he is going to keep working from heaven for the good of his people. And Jesus' disciples are his people. He calls them his brothers, his family, children of the very same heavenly father as Jesus himself. And we are Jesus' people too. We are his brothers and sisters because after Jesus ascended back to the father's side, he looked at us and he loved us. And when the name of the triune God was spoken over you in baptism, Jesus spoke your name in heaven. Because when he brought you to faith, he made everything he did in this world, the holy life that he lived, the sacrificial death on the cross, the victory on Easter morning, he made it all yours. By giving you faith in him, he called you into his family. And he calls you his brother and sister. You are a child of the very same heavenly father, as Jesus himself, and we are still Jesus' brothers and sisters. He still speaks our names in the kingdom of heaven. He still watches over the people, the family that he died and rose for. And so we will reach that kingdom of heaven and get to hear Jesus say our names, and we are going to get to hold on to him too. See, on that very first Easter, Mary Magdalene had to let go of Jesus. She couldn't cling to him. Because Jesus had places to go and things to do. He had a full schedule for the next 40 days, making appearances to hundreds of his followers who later universally stuck to their conviction, even to the point of martyrdom, that Jesus had risen in the flesh. And then Jesus had somewhere to go, back to the side of his heavenly father to work for his people. So Mary had to let go of her on the first Easter. But eventually, she followed Jesus into that heavenly kingdom. And there she got to look Jesus in the eye again and hear her name once more. And then 
She got to hold on to Jesus and this time do it forever and never let go. And so will we. Through faith in our risen Savior, we will follow to the side of the Heavenly Father. You yourself will get to look Jesus in the eye and hear him say your very own name. You will get to hold on to him and never let go. Peter and John believed on the first Easter. Nobody believes with a faith that is perfect, not even Peter and John. But every time we hear the voice of our risen Savior in this story, we hear the account of him conquering death. He works to make our faith more and more perfect all the time. When you see your risen Savior look you in the eye and, and say your name, your living, breathing, risen Savior, he makes your faith stronger and stronger. And the stronger your faith becomes, the more you learn to view death the right way. That death is not something to be afraid of because Jesus Christ has conquered it. And this is how amazing Jesus' resurrection is. It takes death, that single scariest thing in the universe, and turns it into something beautiful because it is the beginning of your life in heaven where you get to hear your name spoken from your Savior's lips and hold on to him. And it's not even the end of your physical life. Because Jesus came out of the grave, he is going to call us out of our graves too. Once there was an atheist who wanted to make me look very silly in front of a group of Christians. So when I talked about the resurrection of the dead, he demanded that I explain to him scientifically how that is going to work. And all I said was, God invented science. God governed science. He's got a grip on it. He'll make it happen. So not only does our fear of death die in Christ's resurrection, but so does the confusion. So does the uncertainty around death, and it's replaced by confidence. There was a man named Job who lived long before Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and these words show the eternal power of Jesus' resurrection. We say together with Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. I will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. We do not have to wonder what will become of us. We know that our Redeemer lives, and we will too. And when Jesus calls one of his brothers, sisters, to his eternal embrace, we will, of course, be sad. Because death is never what God intended for Adam and Eve or any of their billions of descendants. Death hurts and it separates. So we will mourn but we will not mourn like people who have no hope. Because not only do we have hope, we have Christian hope, which is pure confidence. And so even under sadness at the time of death, there is joy in the certainty that that person is now hearing their name in heaven and holding on to Jesus forever. And of course, when one of Jesus' brothers or sisters receives that gift, of being called home to heaven, Jesus' people will not want to accuse God of having made some kind of mistake or having bad timing. There is no bad time to get to look at your Savior and hear him say your voice in heaven. There is no wrong time for Jesus to give you or anyone else the gift of being able to hold on to him and never let go. So whenever God decides, we are simply thankful for Jesus' saving work the Spirit's work of bringing that person to faith and calling them into God's family. 
Mary Magdalene received a very rare gift. She had the rare privilege of getting to see Jesus in the flesh with her own two eyes between his resurrection and his ascension 40 days later. There were several hundred other followers who got to see that, but that, of course, is a very small percentage of the total number of brothers and sisters in Jesus' family. Jesus calls us to believe first and then to see later. We trust the testimony of the Holy Spirit who produced the flawless documents of the Holy Scriptures with four testimonies to Jesus' resurrection. We trust the witnesses like Mary Magdalene and the many others who saw Jesus with their own two eyes. We believe first and see later, and we will. Because Jesus lives, we also live. Everyone who believes in Jesus lives with him through eternity. Here, we cling to him by faith. There, we will cling to him in the flesh. Here, we listen to him call us by name in faith. There, we will hear it with our own ears because we are his brothers and sisters for whom he died and rose. Amen.